Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. I think this is a must-win game tonight, especially going forward. You still got two against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got to play the Cleveland Browns. You're on the road against Jacksonville and Kansas City. The numbers just don't allow any type of reprieve if you lose this game and drop to five and four tonight. On the other end, if you do get a win, you're you're right back in a scenario where you can make one of those second half runs that this team has made in the in the last couple of years. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. That was Tony Pike uh, on Cincy 360 on ESPN 1530 out in Cincinnati. He was on Unsportsmanlike earlier uh, here on ESPN Honolulu. He calls tonight a must win for the Cincinnati Bengals. And we recall, Hunter, uh, the Bengals lost to Houston uh, last Sunday. That happened. It it, it did happen. Uh, And I still can't believe it happened. So uh, would you characterize tonight's or this afternoon's game will kick off in just less than 15 minutes would you characterize uh ravens and Bengals as that must win i think i would now the the interesting thing about the Bengals is that they've been dinged up especially for joe burrow he hasn't had his healthiest of seasons and kind of on that you know side of things the Bengals aren't anything without their their guy at quarterback. Mm -hmm. And when you consider the importance of what he is to that team and that franchise, if he goes down, their season goes down the drain. So it, mm, you know, a little bit over halfway right now, it may not completely be out of the realm of possibility, but they're playing the best team in their division right now in the Baltimore Ravens who are sitting there at seven and three. And I think of it less as a, a, a an absolutely needed win, but more of a continued thermometer of the temperature of their season right now facing a really good divisional opponent. You know, um, I, I know the Ravens are good, and, and we'll talk about them a little bit more because uh, Lamar Jackson is certainly one of the best quarterbacks in the National Football League, although I have been kind of disappointed in Lamar. But let's let's go back to Joe. Uh, he has missed one game. You're right. He has been banged up a little bit. But to me, that that doesn't necessarily excuse the five and four mark. Um, you know, the the loss to Tennessee, as bad as it was, twenty seven to three in their fourth game of the year. Um, you know, the, the, I I don't want to take too many things away from the Houston Texans, who won on that game winning field goal last Sunday. But it you know it doesn't necessarily excuse the thirty to twenty seven loss. And and in that stretch, I mean. You've had some good wins. The Niners win. The Bills win. They've had some good results. It, it, this team just can't figure out how to stay that consistent, even though, I mean, they did have a four-game winning streak up until that loss. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious if that has anything to do with some of the injuries. You know, you, you think of uh, uh, T. Higgins, one of uh, Burrow's main uh, targets. He's been down. They've he's struck- out tonight. He's out tonight. Uh, I know that because uh, I can't use him in fantasy this week. Um, <laughs> good, good reminder. Yep. And you know, ca- kind of with that, it seems to me like the Super Bowl contenders from just a couple of seasons ago are struggling to find a groove, a rhythm, a stride, whatever creative word you want to put on there, they aren't a top-tier team like what they were from two seasons ago. And are we surprised by that? 
Should 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 we expect more from two players, basically, a Joe Burrow and his college teammate of um, of uh, of Chase on the outside? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if across the board they're quite the team what they used to be, especially on defense. That defense is what brought them to the Super Bowl against the Rams and. I mean, they're they're maybe the third best team in the North, if not last place in their own division. Josh, is this that Cincinnati. much of a surprise? Yeah, you you. Well, I mean, they they technically are last place given you know the standings, but you'd have them over Cleveland. I mean, right right now, where the teams stand, even though uh, Deshaun Watson goes down, I, I want to give credit to where credit's due. The the Cleveland Browns have have done more, in my opinion, than than Cincinnati has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I you know, and by the way, uh, Cincinnati will also be without Andre Yoshivas, the uh, the Punahou alum, who uh, is out due to injury. Well, he's he's inactive, um, according to what came out by the NFL a little while ago. Man, I, you you asked the question: Should you expect more? And I think the answer is yes. Um, you know, when they've had a, a couple of really good years, and you would expect when you have an all league type of quarterback regardless of injury, and and frankly, it's not just him. Um, you mentioned yeah. Jamar Chase a, a little while ago. They are, I, I think, pretty pretty well stacked at the wide receiver position. Offensively, they should not have the kind of problems that occasionally have plagued them. I do expect more from that group. I expect them to be better than Pittsburgh. In fact, I still think Cincinnati is. I expect them to be a team that is not you know, hovering around 500, and I think the franchise has set the kind of expectations here recently that 5-4 and four is not good enough going into Week 10, and hanging around the wildcard picture where they currently are is not good enough for a franchise that should be a division contender and should be a playoff contender um, you know, at this point in the year, not you know, where are we now talking about um, must wins in week 11, which, oh, by the way, they got the Steelers the following week. They got the Jaguars on Monday Night Football the following mm-hmm. week, and the Jaguars are not a pushover, even no. though they got, you know, thoroughly romped by the San Francisco 49ers recently. Um, they still have the Chiefs in week 17. So you got to win some of these big games here going on out. And, I, you know, I, I think it is disappointing to see Cincinnati in this situation where you're talking about a, a team that, you know, needs some of these wins. If not, we're talking about a disappointing year. I think I, I, I tend to agree with you with, with one exception. The AFC okay. North is by far the best division on the AFC side of the NFL. I'm, okay. I'm looking down the list right now. If Miami... If Miami was in the AFC North, they would at best only be in second or tied for second. They have the same record as Pittsburgh and Cleveland. If you uh, go to the South, um, Jacksonville is ahead in that conference at six and three. Um, the West, if you're at six and three, you're right behind the Chiefs. And so, though Cincinnati is five and four, they are in undoubtedly the toughest division in the AFC. And have it a little bit stacked against them to try to make the playoffs in what is most likely going to be a wild card push. That that looks like their only chance right here, unless they can get it done tonight and throughout the rest of the season against Baltimore. Uh, looking at the wild card standings, since you mentioned it, by the way, um, if the season ended today, Cincinnati's out. 
your wild card teams are Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Houston. And it is worth noting, you mentioned Deshaun Watson. He's out for the remainder of the year. Um, C.J. Stroud, if he can get Houston to the postseason, is probably going to be the MVP of the league uh, as long as he keeps playing the way he is. And Pittsburgh's defying the odds, even though I think they're underwhelming on offense. Um, I've, I've mentioned all of those things to say that Cincinnati needs to get by at least at least by Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Um, you know, Houston, I will I will give a whole bunch more credit than we normally would to them. But absolutely, you know, like in, in Cleveland situation, if you can't get by Cleveland, who will be going with a backup quarterback for the remainder of the year, then honestly, you know, I think you'll see what what Buffalo did uh, earlier this week when they had that epic meltdown on Monday Night Football and then fired Ken Dorsey. It feels like if you're Cincinnati and if you fail to even get to, let's say, 10 wins, I feel like you've got to do something similar. Do you think that the Bengals are actually in a position to make a run at a Super Bowl this year? No. I don't either. I And that's the disappointing part. They yeah. They should be at that point. We shouldn't. We came into this year, Hunter, I mean, you wouldn't have had that question, right? I think we both would have said Cincinnati's going to be in that title conversation. There are probably just a handful of teams you'd say Kansas City would be there, Miami would be there, Cincinnati would be there, and we talk about amazing Buffalo, quarterbacks. pre-snap. I mean, Buffalo, I, you're right. but preseason de- you're definitely right. would have put Buffalo. I, I think jury would have been out on on uh, on Baltimore. But, I mean, yeah, these are all these teams that I think we would have had that conversation about. And pretty much all of them are there. Um, Buffalo, actually, by the way, it would not be in the playoffs if the season ended today at 5-5. Five and five. They're even behind Cincinnati. Um, most of those teams, though, are there. And I, and I think that's the disappointing part is, for the most part, expectations are being met. Cincinnati's not, Buffalo's not, and they both have their starting all-world quarterbacks, uh, and it's not making a difference. Speaking of all-world quarterbacks, there's one team that we forgot to mention that preseason we thought much differently of than we do right now, and that's the New York Jets. (laughs) I don't don't want to, you know... Sully on the Jets all day long, but uh, hey, let's do it. I, I we can make we can make two full segments on sullying on the Jets. You know they're hmm, four and five. I guess they're they're a game below five hundred, but it could have been a lot worse. I feel like the job that Coach Sala's done over there needs a little bit more recognition because they are two games better than the New England Patriots. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we would have expected the Patriots to be where they are. Um, although I do remember at one point in time, and I, I will admit where I was wrong, I did say, I think either before the season or the first week or two of the year, that I thought New England just being you know, a, a Bill Belichick coach team would be a surprise. And I think I even said, uh, and I'm glad we don't have the tape of this, I think I said New England could potentially finish second in the division that uh, I didn't have them sitting at last place. And guess what? <laughs> um, uh, here we are. Here we are. Uh, but, no, I mean, the, the the Jets, you bring up something interesting because I, I think I would have said I, I had them short. I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers was as much of a difference maker. I think you agreed with me at the time, right? I think we both said Aaron Rodgers doesn't necessarily make them a Super Bowl contender. That's right. And he's not there. 
Although he might come back in December. They're not ruling him out uh, before the end of the year. Yeah, it just we didn't feel like he offered enough to transcend a team that wasn't... I, I, I'm a big believer in teams needing to be unified, playing together, um, there being solid communication across the board, especially with a quarterback like Rodgers who makes so many decisions at the line of scrimmage. Everybody's got to be on the same page. Um, you know, you, you the only exception to that was when Tom Brady went down to Tampa and they won the very next season. Um, you, you could potentially get lucky with one transcendent generational player. We, we saw something similar when Peyton Manning went over and contended with the Broncos the very next season. So it is possible. I just didn't know if the pieces were quite there. And we all know what happened uh, in the first game for poor Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Um, by the way, if the Jets aren't in postseason contention, would you still want, want to see him back? Yes. Um, that surprises me. That surprises oh, me because I know how much sorry. you can't stand him. Well, when you said back, I thought you meant back for his career versus like back oh, this no. season. Back this season. Gotcha. No, shut him down. <laughs> shut him down. Put uh, Zach Wilson out there. That's what you're paying him for. He's your quarterback this season, and uh, lick your wounds. Get ready for next year with Aaron Rodgers. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes is in our studio. I'm Josh Pacheco in uh, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We're getting ready for Hawaii and Niagara, uh, which we didn't even know was going to happen about eight days ago. Uh, but it is happening tonight. I'll be in for Bobby tonight. So we'll do the show down here. We'll get uh, pregame going a little bit later on. So uh, we figured we'd do the show from here um, and kind of hang out before you head to Wyoming tonight. Yes, sir. And, um, yeah, uh, so I we, we miss you tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, David Hallams. Uh, Kavika Hallams will be with us in the 5 o'clock hour. He'll be here, uh, but I know you will want to uh, jump in on this as well. He's uh, We'll get into basketball with him. We'll get into football with him as he does his work with Spectrum Sports. And uh, Rich Hill, Hawaii baseball head coach, uh, will, will join us coming up at the bottom of the 5 o'clock hour. He will be here. Uh, in the concourse level, uh, we'll talk about the Fall World Series that they're doing. Uh, I would say come by and huddle around, but uh, gates don't open till six. So just exactly. imagine you're here when uh, when when Rich Hill stops by our radio program. Hey, guess what, Hunter? What's up? Uh, Jim Harbaugh is going to serve his suspension. Ooh. We don't have we don't have to have a hearing as was expected to happen tomorrow. Jim Harbaugh is going to sit for the final three games. Uh, of the regular season. Uh, but we'll, we'll work through the words. What do you actually make of it? We'll talk about that coming up here in just a few moments. And don't forget about Pigskin Picks. You can play along at ESPNHonolulu.com. It is presented by M. Dyer Global and uh, brought to you by Young's Fish Market. We've got another weekly prize that will be given away and, of course, the $1,000 grand prize at the end of the year. So play along with us at ESPNHonolulu.com. Great to have you aboard as we uh, start off your Thursday afternoon. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Sports Center update coming up in about seven minutes. The latest on what's going on with Thursday Night Football, uh, Ravens-Bengals. You can hear that game, by the way, over on CBS 1500. 
Hunter, you and I have spent uh, a lot of time on this Michigan story. Of course, uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh was supposed to have a hearing in a courtroom tomorrow to determine whether uh, he was going to be kept off the sideline as the Big Ten had uh, ruled last week. Well, that's that's not going to happen because he has accepted the conference's three-game suspension. He will not coach Saturday at Maryland. He will not coach against Ohio State, did not coach last week. Uh, the conf- or the uh, university saying, and I quote, and they made sure to say this, the conference has confirmed that it is not aware of any information suggesting Coach Harbaugh's involvement in the allegations. The university continues to cooperate fully with the NCAA's ve- investigation, close quote. So, uh, Hunter, when you hear that, uh, what do you hear? What, how, do you, uh, how do you work through the weeds of words? <sighs> It, it again. I, I think Michigan is needing to do what they need to do to get through this. It it's still to me, Josh. It it's it's a it's a dumb situation. <laughs> I I I really want to give it more thought than that, but this is this is just kind of hogwash uh, to me. And I think they're lucky that it's the the size of the suspension that it is right now and they're focused on beating Ohio State and really that's the only thing they're looking at you know the funny thing is about it they spent all this energy last week um you know when they found out about the suspension they landed the plane in state college they tried to get a, a, a an injunction to make sure that coach Harbaugh could coach because he was already there um, and then you have a uh, you have a judge here it who's a Michigan alum, and you go through all this work to um, you know to to ensure that you could get Jim Harbaugh to coach. And five days later, or six days later, you say eh, that's okay. We're gonna accept the suspension. Um, you don't go through all that work and stop. I mean, if, if you truly believe that he shouldn't be serving a suspension, you should still be fighting this today. You if should be going innocent, through court tomorrow. Mm, I see that. I almost wonder, again, I, I think they're, they're playing another game here, Josh, which I mentioned was, is this distraction worth continuing for the sake of the team? I mean, he gets the coach during the week. I don't. I don't know that it's that much of a distraction. I mean, they they handled a good team on the road last week. They were, you know, all in on Coach Harbaugh, um, and he's there. He's around him. It's not like he's he's missing every day of the week. I mean, is it truly that much of a distraction that you know his his punishment still lingers, or is this team mature enough to work around it and and still be a good football team? And it, and it feels like to me. This team is veteran enough that they're the latter, that they love Jim Harbaugh and they use this as fuel, but they're not gonna they're not gonna be uh, immature about it and and let it derail their season. Well, I think they proved that they're mature enough. I meant more on Michigan side of things because each subsequent week that they decide to continue this effort, it ties their university right alongside cheating. And so and so with that, I'm curious if their decision to kind of halt not only shows, yeah, there's there's credible evidence right here, we're not going down this path. And two, let's take what the NC or the, the Big Ten has given us. 
and we move on from here and kind of distance ourselves from the situation, at least at this point. You said two things that I want to follow up on, and we'll do that after Sports Center. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. We'll get an M. Dyer Global scoreboard coming up here in just a little while. I, I know you are, Hunter. Uh, I am occasionally refreshing my uh, fantasy football app just because I want to see how T. Higgins uh, – not T. Higgins. I want to see how Tyler Boyd's doing. Are, mm-hmm. are, are, you, uh, are you doing that there in studio? Uh, I am to the best of my ability, but I also need to be locked into this conversation. So uh, <laughs> when, when Josh isn't here, I need to uh, be locked in. So a yes. little, little bit differently. Hunter's in studio. Uh, I'm here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center as we prepare for Hawaii basketball. Um, I wanted to continue what we talked about because you hit on a couple of points that I wanted to build on last segment, but we had the uh, the heart outbreak there. One of them is um, the distraction the distraction angle that we talked about, and and you had said not necessarily a distraction for the Michigan football team. But the distraction for Michigan University as a whole, I wanted I wanted to build on that with you a little bit because um, I, I feel like, A, we can separate athletics from university, even though sometimes because athletics is talked about a lot more, um, it kind of paints the university as a whole a little bit in that way. Um, how much of a distraction do you think it is really? for you know, just in general, not just on one man or, or, or one team, but how much of a distraction do you truly think it is? Hmm. So I, I, I grew up in the Midwest, and I was friends with a lot of people who love Michigan and always talk about how great of an institution it is and we are big blue, we are this, we are that. It just it feels to me like this is almost sullying that school's reputation a little bit, and they take that very seriously. So I might be I might be overkilling it just a little, but maybe not too. I I would love to get some perspective from someone from that area to see kind of what the blowback in the community is right now because. Or, or maybe they might be saying, you know, similar to what the, the feeling on the team is, like it's the world against Michigan right now. So um, I, I don't really know, but that just to me, I'm, I'm trying to read between the lines of why they might have closed this case before kind of getting to the end. Uh, Paul's calling in here at 808-296-1420. Hi there, Paul. Uh, hi, guys. Separated today. How you doing? Good, Paul. Good, Paul. You know, I have a comment about the Michigan situation. In that, you know, what we what weeds of words, what 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 disjunction in the community? They're all wearing Michigan versus the world shirt. Okay, every single one of them going to that community. They're lockstep, and in a good way. You know. Look at how it's being reported today. Jim Harbaugh has, has agreed to serve his time. That's it. That's it. This is going to be the end of it. They do all these, you know, this is all happening because of Ohio State conspiracy. Ohio State finally sees, they, they finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, they, that they have a chance at the, 
national championship and and look at Michigan being primed for it for years and this is the year they do it you know uh you know the big 10 this 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 decision today it's a summit among the the the, the conference okay uh you know they're going to beat Ohio State like nothing you know you you think the team is going to lose after Coach Moore crying like that, a national yes. TV. And that, that darn Stephen A. Smith, uh, once again, butting his head into NBA things, non-NBA things, going, why is he crying? Why do you think he's crying? Who wouldn't cry after all this junk beating Penn State? Man, I tell you, Stephen A., he's overdue for Will Smith on stage treatment. And, uh, you know, <laughs> just I'm telling you, man, it's just – if this is happening to Hoy, I would expect one of the assistant coaches to, to be crying too. You, you get behind your team. You get behind your team regarding something like this. This is nothing. All you, you know. All, the, you're telling me that the only team in the conference doing this? No, heck no, heck no. And that's why that's why this is done already because Michigan is probably saying, okay, we're going to uncover what all of us are doing. If you guys want this to go to the Supreme Court, if you wanted us to go to trial. And that's why they're having, that, that's why this is happening today. Thank you. Good luck on Thank it. you, Paul. Wow. A lot to unpack um, there, Josh. I feel like my, my brain zigged and zagged in about seven different directions. Can, can um, I take the first swing? Please. You can take multiple swings if you want. So I'm, I'm still trying to get myself back uh, in my equilibrium centered. So please take as many swings as you need here. Well, the the first thing that must be unpacked was uh, the Will Smith on stage antics. <laughs> yeah, Will Smith didn't actually get slapped. He did the slapping. This is true. Chris Rock uh, was the uh, the one on the other end. So I'm guessing Paul was referring to Stephen A. Smith taking Chris uh, Chris Rock's place on stage. Um, I don't understand why Stephen A. Smith is in the crosshairs here. Uh, he's, he's doing his job. What did, <laughs> hey, what did he do? Anybody he did nothing. can get got by our friend Paul. True. Anybody. Um, I'm trying to think back to what he said before. See, that. you're 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 still trying to find your your center uh, of equilibrium. So I'll I'll take a swing here. Okay. Um, Michigan tried to you know to say that uh you know they're trying to prove that oh you know everybody's doing this at conference. Michigan tried. Michigan tried to prove that other teams were out to get them, and the Big Ten said, um, that doesn't excuse you. And what they did, they being Purdue and Ohio State and and uh, and Rutgers, what they did was not what you did in sending someone uh, to go to an opposing venue and videotape signs, which in the rules is illegal. That's right. Um, so you Ohio know, they State didn't had do nothing that. to do with that. Right. And 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 that's the and and there there was the other thing that I was going to unpack. You really think that Ohio State is behind it all? You really think that? You, you think Ohio State wants to waste their time on trying to out-Michigan football? For what reason? Because I disagree with Paul. Ohio State is going to knock Michigan around yep. like it's nobody's business right. when they play in nine days. I think Ohio State is that much better. I'm yes, sorry. They're a better team. They're going to so, outscore them. Yes, by a lot. 
So I don't, you know, I don't want to hear this conspiracy theory nonsense that Ohio State's out to get him or everybody in the Big Ten's out to get him or, or whatever. Yeah, rally around your team. That's cool. I mean, hey, it's cool that everybody's like, you know, free Jim Harbaugh or we miss him. We're playing for him. We're going to throw out expletives on, on, on broadcast TV because we're that sad and we're that upset because he's not here. Cool. You know what? I'm not going to um, I, I'm not going to praise that because I, I think like you said, yeah, you expect that. You expect a team to, to rally around that regardless of the circumstance unless it's something really extremely um, you know upsetting and then that's something that's a little bit different. But you know that it's nothing abnormal. Um, you know just just I don't I don't buy this conspiracy nonsense that I think some of these people want to have hunter. Well, yeah, I'm, when someone else is at fault, how can you then turn it around and say it's someone else's conspiracy? I mean, the, yeah. M- Michigan has also made it very clear that uh, Mr. Stallions uh, has been... Who's galloped away from the program. He's no longer a part of the program. And that didn't happen for no reason. So... Wherever the the buck stops, I think is still yet to be discovered. But some fault, some fault is surely at the bare minimum, Josh, on on uh, Michigan side of things. You know, we need to get that uh, Connor Stallion's name back into the barn. Uh, nice. Um, thank you. I, I, the first attempt didn't go so well. The second one did. Let's let's um, get him galloping back into the conversation. <laughs> You see, you hit it a lot better than I did. Um, but here's the other one. You know, going away from Paul's call and something you said in the last segment is um, the view of Michigan as a cheater. I, I I don't view Michigan football as a whole as cheaters. Um, I view Jim Harbaugh as a cheater. Mm. I don't I don't I don't take it as the program because. You know, I think you said it earlier. Everybody knows the Michigan man. Everybody knows, I think, the lore of Michigan football. That yep. I think it's, it would be very, if you want to invoke Stephen A. Smith's name, it would be very Stephen A. Smith-like or be very first-take-like to take this instance or, or Jim Harbaugh getting suspended earlier this year because of um, you know COVID-era recruiting violations to say the entire program is a bunch of cheaters because I don't I don't think that's the case because I think a good chunk of these players are legitimately talented and would whoop a lot of these teams that they're playing. That's right. But I think you can pinpoint it on one man, and I I feel safe enough to say uh, because I don't buy for a second that Jim Harbaugh had nothing to do with any of it. Um, I feel very confident in saying there is only one cheater, one individual, and that is the head football coach at Michigan. So you are tying him with the actions of a former neighing, yes, Mr. Stallions. Yes, absolutely. Interesting. I, I I don't I can't blame Blake Corum. I can't blame the athletic director. I can't blame the head trainer. Yeah, and um, I, I I can't blame the scout team quarterback. I've never been around a blue chip program in the same capacity that I I have been afforded with. University of Hawaii, but mm. w- what 
would what motivation that that's the better word one what motivation and two what sort of budget would an analyst within a football program have to go and do what he did unless otherwise authorized by the head football coach what would be the motivation or what would be his access to the program's budget slash funds to accomplish everything that he did if the head coach didn't know about it i'll tell you exactly what it is and and by the way um one other piece of reporting today on, uh, on on Connor Stallions. He apparently failed to turn in any receipts or paperwork on uh, any of these expenses that he had. So uh, I think you could understand why. But here, here's here's why I think you have this happen. College football is or has become so big. How big is it? Okay. That come on, guys. I, it's, um, yep. <laughs> I'll I'll get the next one, I promise. I know you will. Um, It has become so big that there's almost like this cult-like following to it, which I know sounds kind of like a big word, but hey. No, it is. See see those fan bases. And if you've been in those areas, that that is the correct word. Um, And I think that that does leak into not just fans. I think it leaks into boosters. I think it leaks into you know how badly these teams want to win coaches know they make so much money uh the pressure to win is larger than ever and i think at michigan and i don't want to tie this specifically to one game but at michigan what are your two objectives one um win natty or at least win the big 10 because a natty hasn't come in a long time your second objective is to beat ohio state and for a long time, that wasn't happening. Now, that's changed yep. recently. But um, it becomes such a pressure-packed situation that, hey, if you're struggling to do it, you're going to find ways to get there. Um, and and we know coaches, not just away from the field, but also on the field, are trying to find every advantage, every loophole, everything they can do to get an edge uh, because it is just cult-like crazy in college football, and you just hope that you don't get caught. And this is one of those situations where Michigan got, or at least Jim Harbaugh and his staff, got caught. And you don't do that unless the pressure is so high uh, and the need to win is so big that you find yourself doing these things. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you, Josh. It's it's just I, I, I want to give time to the investigation that is still going to be continuing, right? Because the NCAA is going to investigate That's that. That's right. Or they, or they can if they want to. The Big Ten's closing the door on its investigation. To me, the, the, the football is way more the, the focus of this season. And if there was ever a time where the drama was bigger, I would I'd love to know. When was the drama bigger than it is right now between Michigan and Ohio State? Mm-hmm. More riding on the game in two weeks because they already hated each other with a passion. Now they want each other dead. Like, yeah. the, if there was ever a game that I would love to be at just to feel, oh my gosh, it, it's this game. You and me both. Um, we'll get some text here in a little bit. And in about 15 minutes... 
The uh, Mountain West schedule could change if uh, the Mountain West does indeed get into a scheduling alliance with Washington State and Oregon State. I don't know if it potentially changes for the better. We'll talk about that coming up at the top of the next hour. But first, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard, which is brought to you by M. Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Thursday night football, um, heading toward the late stages of the first quarter. Uh, Gus Edwards... Uh, touchdown! Uh, it has the Bengals up seven to th- uh, down seven to three to the Baltimore Ravens. I beg your pardon. Baltimore ahead in the Gus Edwards TD, four uh, ten to go in the first quarter. And in the NBA uh, halftime in Miami, heat up on the Brooklyn Nets, sixty to fifty-two. That's your M Dyer Global scoreboard. M Dyer Global always on the move. Off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. All right, Sports Center updates coming up in a little bit. We've got traffic on the way as well. Hunter wanted to get this text message in from the 479 on the uh, the Michigan story, and uh, we'll turn away from it coming up at the top of the next hour. Uh, but the texter says kind of what I said uh, a little while ago when we talked about this story. And, of course, uh, the story today is that Jim Harbaugh um, is going to serve the three-game suspension. The Big Ten has dropped its appeal of it. It will not go to a hearing. It will not go to a court. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh, who added in last week's game, he'll sit the next two. Uh, and if Michigan plays in the Big Ten Championship, then he will be there. Uh, Texter says, what's amazing to me about all this uh, is waste of our justice system and spending all that kind of money in lawyer stuff. By the way, I like that term, lawyer stuff. Yeah. Uh, just to let everything go. These programs are so darn big that this kind of money is just a drop in the bucket for them. That's what's amazing to me. Uh yeah, lawyer stuff. To every lawyer listening right now to this radio show, sorry, uh, your work has been called stuff. You, uh, um, you you passed the bar to do lawyer stuff. <laughs> yeah, we did stuff to get to stuff. Um, but but Texter makes a good point. You know these these big time programs. Um, and I mean I don't think it's athletics paying for the lawyer. I think it's the university as as a whole paying for the lawyer. But I mean the the intent here is the same, that um, you can spend money until you decide not to to try to fight something, and your resources are fairly unlimited. And I think that's what this person is saying, is that your resources are unlimited, and then just, bam, you stopped. Like, you know, what what was that? That was kind of a waste of money and time. Man. Yeah, we're, we're, we're at a point with, with all of this, Josh, that – it's getting into just crazy land, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of losing care o- over the whole situation. <laughs> I really am. I, for, for, for the sake of the conversation, it, like it's, 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 it's okay. But I, I'm just focused on which of these teams is going to make it through to the CFP, and the other one can uh, go cry me a river. Uh, I think we've talked about this previously. I don't think Michigan does. Yeah. And I, I think Ohio State, if they do beat Michigan, they're probably my favorite to win the whole thing. Really? You'd put Ohio State over Georgia? Right now, yes. I, I think they have the capacity to outscore Georgia. But again, every every time you play against a big-time SEC team like that, it all gets done in the trenches. That's usually where a big-time school like Georgia gets the job done. I want to give you uh, probably the hottest take I have given all week. I think Washington beats Ohio State. 
Ooh. I think Washington probably doesn't win over Georgia. But if I had to rank these teams not by resume, but by eye test, I got Georgia, I got Georgia one. I got Washington State two. Or not Washington State, I'm sorry, Washington. Georgia one, Washington two, Ohio State three, and then I'd put Michigan four. And then Florida Washington. State at five. Uh I'd put Oregon at five. So then I'd put I put Florida State at six. I don't, I don't buy Florida State uh, one bit. Check out athletes at ESPNHonolulu.com. It's brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Sports Center and traffic next. All right, coming up in a couple of hours, uh, Rainbow Warrior Countdown presented by Hawaii Pacific Health leads you to Hawaii and Niagara. Rainbow Warrior Basketball here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. In the meantime, it is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Hunter Hughes is in our studio. Uh, I'm here at the arena uh, getting ready for not only uh, the pregame show, but also be doing the game with Derek Lowe tonight, filling in for uh, Bobby Curran. We'll talk with uh, Kavika Hallams in about an hour. Uh, Rich Hill here on site in about uh, 90 minutes. Oh, we have... Um, uh, we have tickets to give away as well. Uh, All-State Maui Invitational tickets, and we've got uh, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball tickets. In fact, the Wahine are practicing uh, downstairs right now. So uh, we got all that to give away coming up a little bit later on. And your uh, text messages at 808-296-1420 via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, this texter, Hunter, kind of leads into exactly where we are going to go here. What does Hawaii have to offer the new Mountain West Conference? Are they worthy? And this is because um, there was some reporting earlier today, this was first from Yahoo Sports, that uh, for the next two years, while Oregon State and Washington State are effectively um, the only two teams in the PAC-whatever conference that can still be recognized as a, as a conference by the NCAA as part of a grace period, uh, they are looking for some help, and that's where the Mountain West comes in. So they're talking about a scheduling alliance kind of like what um the WAC has one currently and it's an fcs uh scheduling alliance but the WAC has a scheduling alliance with another conference and they ultimately like came up with a new name for it the united football conference or something like that um so they have a scheduling alliance a compensation package with the intent for a future merger we'll go into into some of the details of that but here's some of the other stuff um, so the package, so basically more money potentially from television for the Mountain West. Uh, the long-term intent for a Pac-12 uh, Mountain West merger. But here's the interesting one. If Oregon State or Washington State tries to poach some of these Mountain West teams into a new conference, that there would be a financial penalty against Washington State and Oregon State uh, if they try to do such a thing. So what it sounds to me, Hunter, and, and I'll, I'll get the details in a moment. It sounds to me like everybody wants to work together, but the Mountain West and Gloria Navarez, who I think is handling this very well, is also saying, i got um, 12 teams right now that I need to protect that I want to keep under my umbrella, yeah. and I don't want to get caught uh, behind my back watching... Oregon State and Washington State take advantage of my kindness and take all these teams and create something new and leave me in the dark. 
So I feel like there's some protections for the Mountain West that are, are really good, and at the same time, um, some possible positives for everybody else in the conference. Yeah, you know, I, I think we are still kind of at the beginning of this whole process, and only time will tell exactly what is going to kind of transpire with this quote-unquote merger or, you know, with, with the new scheduling, that they, they, they might even find some alternative ways of going about slowly introducing, you know, Washington State and Oregon State into our conference. It's, it's certainly worth uh, a little bit more focus and interest in the, in the coming years. Now, my, I'm with that texture. You know, as much as I want to be a homer and really look at Hawaii as a solid uh, post, if you will, for the Mountain West, I, I'm sure, you know, you, you have to think about it from what they are bringing the the conference. It It's without a doubt the the loudest... Uh, the loudest trip on any of the schools within the conference uh, schedule in terms of how much money it costs to fly the in, the entire team out here. And sure, Hawaii helps kind of subsidize that, but with it only being a football-only member, we really need to start asking, how can we change the way that we do things, maybe with even other sports? And that's a question for uh, maybe our, our very own Craig Angelis on the, uh, the Craig Angelis show, Josh, um, to see if that's something that they are trying to work towards in making us look more, uh, more attractive to the Mountain West. So you hit on a couple things on that particular topic. Um... A lot of people talk about the the late night TV slot for Hawaii. This remember way back yep. when it's like, yep. oh, you know, we've got that midnight Eastern slot that Hawaii be great for. Help, and, yeah, it helps um, uh, you know degenerates hedge their bets. You know, they can right. always count on getting some late action in the Hawaii game. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, simply put, that's if if television wanted that, they would have already jumped on that. And they have it. And, of course, you know, the other part of it is the current television deal wouldn't allow for that because, um, you know, Spectrum Sports gets X amount of games out of the Mountain West. Usually I think it's eight. I think they've gotten more than that this year. So, um, you know, it's it's not like anybody can just say, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put a game on national TV at midnight Eastern. It hasn't really worked that way. And I think the other sign to, to say that the TV avenue is not there. But it could be. If and this were if Hawaii were successful on the football field, last week was a good reminder of this, Hunter. Air Force, and I'm not even talking about like recency bias here. Air Force is a decent name nationally. One of Hawaii's television or one of the Mountain West television partners is CBS Sports Network. Oftentimes, they brand themselves as uh, the home to the service academies. Because you'll see Navy on television more often than not on uh, on CBS Sports Network mm -hmm. or CBS Army, Army uh, Air Force has been there, and so 
usually you think, okay, Air Force Hawaii, this has to be a lock for one of these nationally televised games after a full day of football. You gotta think CBS Sports Network's wanna go gonna wanna go in there and broadcast Air Force in Hawaii. And they determined before the season that that was not worthy enough of a national television broadcast for even a broadcast member who is uh, proud of broadcasting all the Service Academies games. Mm. And that was something that I think stood out to me to where, hey, you guys want to talk about the, the whole late-night slot? You can't even get a game against Air Force on on national TV. So let's squash that right now because it, it clearly says to me that, that television is not a thing. But um, I do think that having the ability to have an even number of teams, I think just strictly football because I don't, I don't think the rest of the sports are going anywhere. Strictly in football to have an even amount of teams I think can be a good thing for the Mountain West. Um, the way they have worked on travel subsidies is beneficial for everybody else in the Mountain West. I think the question would be what happens if you have to fly Wazoo here or if you, if you have to fly Oregon State here. How mm -hmm. much of that is a Hawaii expense? How much of that is an expense of those particular schools? But I think it, it's kind of low-key. But I do think having an even number of teams because Hawaii is there it can actually be a good thing uh, for the conference to have. And when Hawaii is winning, and in the conference it hasn't been all that often, but when Hawaii is winning, I think it is even better for the conference uh, to have that as uh, as a key plus for them. Hmm. Yeah, so you, you, you're kind of hitting on something, Josh, that I love your perspective on. If Hawaii was more of a contender or if Hawaii was, let's say, a 10-win um, uh, ball club this season. They're competing for a conference th championship. There you go. Would this be a different conversation? Yes, uh, absolutely. I don't think anybody would be asking a question at that point of, oh, is, is does Hawaii bring anything to the conference? When you win, you're always bringing something. Um, I, we talked about the Big Ten last hour. Even you, Rutgers, when you are winning, you are bringing something to your conference. Unfortunately for Rutgers, they just don't. Um, but, I mean, Hawaii has not had that much of that either, except for that one year uh, where it competed for the conference championship. And, and I'm not exclusively leaving out 2017. I'm just talking about in conference. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anytime you are that competitive, yes, um, and, and I think of the, the Nick Rolovich area where, where they were competitive. Um, but they were also flashy, too, so that, that kind of helped. Yep. Uh, but that, that does give you, uh, I think, opportunities to be seen. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's been unfortunate that you know, the last couple of years in rebuilding years, that's been really tough for Hawaii to be able to, to say because they haven't had that. Um, and, 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 folks, it has nothing to do with the stadium. That that's that's not a conversation anymore. The stadium has nothing to do with whether Hawaii brings anything into the Mountain West or not, because yeah. now we know the FBS attendance levels don't matter. Um, just have a place to play and make it something that you can be proud of. Um, you know, and, and you know, like I still remember Craig Thompson telling us at one point how he was kind of disappointed in in the way Aloha Stadium had looked. Uh, toward the end of Aloha Stadium's time. So, hey, thank goodness we don't have Gloria Navarez going out publicly and saying, well, Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex, it's just not that great. She has nothing to do with that, and she's not going to say that because uh, she has no reason to. Um, this and is frankly, she, about... has bigger fish, she has bigger fish to fry. Yes, she does. You're absolutely right. Uh, 
you know, this is this is about what you bring in football. Um, and I think Hawaii bring, I mean, Hawaii doesn't. Let's say let's put it this way: Hawaii doesn't bring what Boise State does. Hawaii doesn't bring what UNLV does. Hawaii doesn't bring what um, Vegas, Air Force does. UNLV, yeah. Um, but Hawaii does bring, I think, uh, a good padding there toward the back end of the conference that I think can support the Mountain West and um, and and give it, I think, a, a little bit of a, a boost there toward the end of the conference. And I think the conference does support it, and the financial help in, in that, I think, is, is good as well. <laughs> dare, um, dare we make another Mountain West power rankings of significance to the conference? Oh, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want anything to do with those rankings. Um, but when we come back, I want to share a little bit of um, those details. There's one thing that I'm disappointed about in what is, uh, it's not adopted, but it's something that's being talked about as an idea. Uh, it's a little disappointing to me, and I think would be kind of a hindrance to a lot of Mountain West teams when it comes to how you would actually put the schedule together. Uh, that's coming up in a little bit. We want to tell you about Pigskin Picks. You can play along with us and your friends and everybody you don't know at uh, ESPNHonolulu.com. It's brought to you by Young's Fish Market and by M. Dyer Global, your chance to win some weekly prizes and our $1,000 cash prize at the end of the season. Again, that's at ESPNHonolulu.com. Traffic right here. Uh, more on this whole Mountain West Pack 2 thing. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Another traffic update coming up in just a little while. It's off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. John's been hanging on very patiently. John, how are you this afternoon? And John's not there. (laughs) John, hi. Dial tone. That that must have just happened because uh, we we normally don't the let it get to that point. Driving couldn't have been worse. Than that. <laughs> uh, you know you know what? Um, John's voice certainly took a dive there, um, right there at the moment. If you uh, do that on purpose, that is classic. No, don't don't egg him on. Oh now you're gonna have other goodness. people doing that now. Don't egg these people on. You know what? If Paul decided to serve us up a boom, I would. I wouldn't be disappointed. I would. I mean, that's not what I want to hear on my radio. Okay, all right. I mean, it caught us off guard, man. It was funny. Uh, texter, texter from the two three three. Not sure if you guys saw it, but I recall seeing online a report that showed each school's amount that it earned and contributed to the Mountain West Conference overall through uh, football and basketball. I recall Hawaii being surprisingly high despite only being a football member. Um, I don't... I, I, I saw it. I don't remember the actual number. But, I mean, consider. What is New Mexico bringing to the conference? I mean, maybe basketball to a degree. New Mexico's okay. Um, there are certainly some schools that are toward the bottom in uh, much other things that I think with Hawaii, look, Hawaii brings a, a pay-per-view package. Uh, you know, Hawaii brings, uh, I, I think Hawaii brings a few things that aren't necessarily football, you know, on the field that I think the conference can bank on. And of course, um, 
Hawaii does bring in revenue for the other schools, so that allows them to travel. So there is that too that Hawaii does help with. Um, but let me um, let me take Hawaii you brings here. the haka to the conference. Yeah, I don't know that you can put a monetary value on the haka, um, but you can try. Uh, <laughs> here, here is uh, what I wanted to get. In fact, I know we're not going to have time here, so um, I'll tease this toward the next segment. Um, they're looking at if if this proposal potentially goes through, they're looking at one less conference game. Uh, than what we what we normally have, and right now Hawaii and everybody else in the Mountain West Conference, they play eight conference games, and what they're potentially talking about here is dropping that down to seven. And I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that because what does that mean in a schedule that already is kind of imbalanced right now? Um, what does that mean for? Uh, you know, okay, we play UNLV in San Diego State. Can you have to get rid of that to try to make your schedules more balanced over the course of a, a four- or five-year period? Um, there are certainly some questions, I think, that need to be answered on this particular proposal. We'll talk about that after Traffic and Sports Center. It's Off the Bench, ESPN Honolulu. All right, Kavika Hallams uh, coming up in a little while. Kavika, if you're listening, don't forget. Kavika listens to the show. Uh, he is probably one of the most loyal listeners, Hunter, that you and I have. Mm-hmm. Texts in every once in a while, even when we get things wrong sometimes. He's like, nah, you guys are the best. Kavika's awesome. Uh, so we've got him a little bit later on. Rich Hill I in appreciate about when he hour. lets us know when we're wrong, by the way. <laughs> well, it's not often. It, That's it's, true. It's not often. What was it that uh, we talked about? I think it was uh, the other day and... Uh, um, he's like, nah, I still love you guys. So, uh, no, Kavika is awesome. We'll talk about uh, UH basketball and UH football with him. Rich Hill in an hour. Um, we'll get to those Mountain West um, Pack 2 kind of details in a moment. Uh, but someone was asking about, well, what does Hawaii bring or what does Hawaii offer? I think one of the things that was brought up was, um, you know, the revenue. Uh, texter from the 208 says, Hawaii brings one, possibly two bowl games. Teams love to come to Hawaii. And, I mean, while that's true for the most part, I don't know that that necessarily brings the conference revenue. Yep. It brings ESPN events revenue. Um, it brings the university revenue because I'm sure they get a little bit with parking and concessions and stuff, but I don't think that necessarily does anything for for the conference as a whole. And plus, Hunter, I mean, it's it's one of the lower-tier bowls in the Mountain West. It's not a, a, a top-two or top-three bowl. Yeah, but the other ones, right, would be the L.A. Bowl and probably the Idaho Potato Bowl, that one. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so it's probably on the lower echelon of these bowls. I'm, I, w- I would be curious to get an honest, um, candid answer from someone who kind of knows a little bit more of what they're talking about with reference to the Mountain West, because you, you and I li- live here. We have, in some ways, a vested interest with, of course, with Hawaii athletics, um, and we are, in some ways, tied to their success. Um, we want them to do well, um, but you can't help but wonder: Are they kind of circling our school as one of those? 
maybe on the fringes or maybe on the bubble when considering the Mountain West slash the Mountain West Pac-12's future? Yeah, um, I you know, I, I think bigger picture, I, I think the bowl stuff is not that big of a deal. I think if, if we talked about what conferences bring, I don't I, I don't know that matters as much uh, more than just the, the television eyeballs in general. Um, you know, the, the bowls are a small part of that. And I'll, uh, before I forget, I want to here's the details that we were talking about with this whole scheduling model that's been brought up. This is the part I don't like. So instead of eight conference games, Mountain West teams would play seven. And then the eighth would be against either Oregon State or Washington State, either at home or on the road. That game would not count the Mountain West standings. Oregon State and Washington State would not be eligible for the conference championship game. Um, and so that would, um, that would alternate. Uh, this has been talked about over the last couple of months, according to Yahoo Sports. Also, as part of this scheduling conversation that both sides have had, we talked about um, additional revenue with television uh, for everybody else. And, and Hawaii, over the last couple of years, has now been able to take part in television money because the Mountain West had passed a certain threshold that initially had left Hawaii out of that. Um, so more revenue would come in, and then Ohio, uh, Oregon State and Washington State would uh, be kind of an independent and um, you know, would work on their own television deals. So basically the big thing here is a 7 plus 1. Seven conference games as compared to eight, and then one guaranteed game either at or at home against either Washington State um, or Oregon State. How does that sound to you? Well, <laughs> um, I don't like it. I don't okay. like the the thought of us not getting eight conference games because usually conference games are the ones where we have the best chance to win. Uh, we, we match up best against those teams. And for a school like Hawaii that's already kind of toying with dropping down from that week zero game to only 12 games on the schedule because you know craig talked about that with us whenever we were in vegas i want as many games that work in our favor to make it to bowl contention as possible josh yeah i agree um you know the the one thing i would have suggested if you know i ever had a voice in it would would have been um here's a compromise you play eight conference games, and then you so you do eight plus one. You play your eight conference games as normal. Um, your Washington State and Oregon State would be a ninth. It doesn't count toward the standings, but it helps you fill a, a void. Then you, as um, a, a conference member, have three games to fill. Now this can be kind of tough because you have um, you know s s schedules you've already signed. You've got agreements, and you probably don't want to deal with buyout clauses and stuff like that. But you either have that 13th game exemption, which would help you in this case, or, I mean, how many of these schools are playing FCS teams? Like, for me, yeah. if um, whether Hawaii played 12 or 13 games, I would love to see an FCS team nowhere near a schedule and play that whatever game that would have been taken out and replace that with Washington State or Oregon State. I think it brings you a little better value to your schedule as compared to playing Duquesne.
or mm. or U Albany. I I recall the Big West in baseball, and I don't know if this has changed. I'll I'll ask Rich Hill about this off air next hour, but unless you get a waiver, the Big West has a requirement in baseball that you cannot play a Division two school, and there have been waivers. I think COVID was was a part of that a couple of years ago, um, but I would like to see the same thing in the Mountain West. If you're going to have Washington State and Oregon State as part of your profile when you schedule, then, you know, unless you get a waiver, you don't play an FCS school. You got to go schedule Sam Houston State or you got to go schedule Tulsa yeah. or you got to go schedule someone else and fill up your schedule with that. And then if you've exhausted all your options, then an FCS school. But your point, I want to get back to your point because I, I agree with you. Um, seven games is too little to determine who should be playing in a conference championship game or not. Yep. I think you leave too many games that or too many teams that you don't schedule um, on the table. I mean, you could get to a conference championship game. I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, Hawaii schedule right now. You could get to a conference championship game, not play Boise and not play Fresno. And to me, that's kind of criminal. Um, you could back in there, and let's say you, you leave five teams on the table. And what what if it were to be that those five teams were the five next best teams? You'd probably be backing in with a schedule of New Mexico, Utah State, Colorado State, Nevada, and I don't know, uh, pick one. You know what I mean? You'd be backing in hmm. not having played some of the best teams in your conference. It also makes me wonder what they do with the uh, the, the two guaranteed games. Like Hawaii has UNLV and, and San Diego State as yeah. part of their two guaranteed games. Can you still do that um, if you have only seven games in conference? Which would mean you'd be rotating certain teams every two to three years. Which doesn't doesn't seem very equitable um, if you're looking at realistic championship, uh, realistic chances of playing for a championship. So a lot of those scheduling ideas to me just seem kind of wrong because I think we're the, the goal here is to get the two best teams in the conference championship game. I think we're hitting it now without divisions, but you take away one game, and I think you're you're actually hurting yourself there. So with this, do you consider Oregon State and... Uh, Washington State almost going down in significance. Do you uh, and we see you guys on the phones uh, uh, for? Uh, we'll, get, we'll get you there in a moment. Yeah, but we'll get but you there in a moment. Going. But um, do you consider Oregon State and Washington State coming down from their Power Five status in this kind of new abbreviated limbo? without uh, a conference placement um, that they're going to kind of find themselves in. Because to me, I think back to that conversation we have with Craig Angelis where he talks about you look to schedule an A game, a couple of B games, and then a C game when you're looking right. at a school like Hawaii's non-conference matchups. And I'm curious if these games that, that are in a sense kind of designated whether to play Washington state or Oregon state would be considered a minus or B plus games. And if, if that's advantageous for us or not, I think it depends. Um, I think if you played Boise, I think if you played air force, I think if you played some of the more named schools in the mountain West, then they would be considered, um, you know, kind of equitable. 
I think if you got stuck with with um, Nevada or you got stuck with New Mexico, I, I think those would be you know kind of minus games. But I'll I'll give you the other perspective on it, which is what's going to be harder, and I think will determine whether this is a, a plus or a minus, is what these teams do uh, with the rest of the games they have to fill, because this is what six games for uh, six guaranteed games each for Washington State and for uh for for Oregon State because they're not playing every they're not playing mm-hmm. everybody they're playing half the schedule three of those games at home three of those games on the road so if you really want to know how you're kind of viewed on the on, on the higher low level it's really going to be on who you can schedule as the the other six teams can you get a couple of power fives like i think Washington i think is going to continue the apple cup um, mm. well, I hope they're going to continue the Apple Cup. I, I hope Oregon and Oregon State play each other again. If you can keep those rivalries, and that's one less that you have to worry about. But what else are you going to do? Um, if Oregon State can't schedule anybody, do they find themselves with Portland State, FCS program? Can you Can you get another couple of Power 5 programs? Can you get someone from the American? Because here's the other part of it too, Hunter, is that you now have one less conference, one less power conference to to grab because Pac-12's gone. Yeah. So um, it becomes harder, and I think especially with the schools leaving the Pac-12 to go to other conferences, there are bridges that will be burned there that will make it even harder to try to schedule those teams to want to play because, in a way, you don't want anything to do with them. And, frankly, they don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. So um, that, to me, will determine whether Washington State or Oregon State have gone up or down in um, in, in how they're viewed as a quasi-independent. Hmm. The other thing to note, Hunter, is those two schools still need to find a home for everything else. That, that's right. It's not just a football issue. Right, and we're in November. Um, yeah, you know, the sports season ends in May, and if you're good enough to play in baseball and softball in the NCAA tournament, it goes into June. And Oregon After State, that, Oregon State is an elite baseball program. Right. After that, where are you going to go? Um, the simplest answer would probably be the West Coast Conference, I would imagine. Um, that probably makes the most sense because geographically when you have a, a, a Gonzaga in there, um, it probably makes a little bit of sense. But other than that, like, I don't think the Big West has taken them in. The Big West has already kind of expanded its geographic footprint with Hawaii. Um, they've got to figure that out in quick. And I also don't think the Mountain West is an option for, for all their other sports. So they've they've got some things to worry about there. But I, you know, I, I, from the conference perspective, I, if I'm Hawaii, um, I hope you, I hope I can keep UNLV and San Diego State. Like to me, if you lose both of those to this new schedule, it's a deal breaker for me, and I would, mm. I would fight like heck um, to try to ensure that I at least have my two most important games on my schedule every year. Hmm. Even though I don't like it, I, I have to look from the athletic director's perspective of what's good for business. If UNLV is coming down here, that's good for business, right? Um, if we're playing San Diego State, that's usually good for business. Yeah, you know, I, I think Fresno still is more uh-huh. advantageous than San Diego State. Uh-huh. I, I just, 
I'm still have never been a big fan of losing that game. And from a Hawaii fan base perspective, we care much more about a matchup against the Bulldogs than we do the Aztecs. Uh, it is uh, 447. want to tell you about student section, uh, which is coming up next Tuesday, 7 p.m. at the AutoSource Carousel. It's right across from the uh, Target entrance of uh, Ala Moana Center. Uh, a couple of University of Hawaii softball players are going to be a part of the, uh, the guest list. A couple of uh, championship winners from Kamehameha Girls Volleyball will be there as well. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers providing the food. And uh, Miss Hawaii, Stardall Thurston, is going to be co-hosting with Cole Malsoff. That's coming up on Tuesday right here on ESPN Honolulu. That's going to be a treat. Here, I, I've got another treat right here. Uh, All-State Maui Invitational is going to be played inside this very arena, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center next week. And, uh, Hunter, I don't want to just give away tickets. Um, I want to give away a really cool set of tickets. So... Um, <laughs> We're going to do trivia when we come back. And these tickets, it's not just for one session. It's for every session. Whoa. So we're going to give away a pair of tickets for every single session of the All-State Maui Invitational. That's all 12 games over three days. So dial in at 808-296-1420. We'll give away these tickets. We'll do some trivia on the other side of this traffic update. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. All right, traffic sports centers coming up in just a little while. As promised, let's give away two tickets every session of the All-State Maui Invitational, uh, which means every single game of the All-State Maui Invitational, which starts Monday, all 12 games on our sister station, CBS 1500, next week. Uh, Mike, uh, good afternoon to you. You're up first. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, Mike. All right, here's what you'll need to do. Um, I need to. I'm gonna ha- give you three guesses. Give me three of the eight teams who will be playing at the All State Maui Invitational. I just need three of the eight. Uh, Tennessee, Shamanon, and UCLA. It's pretty good. You know what he did too. Uh, he didn't choose teams that were playing one another. He got three teams from three different games. Nice job, Mike. Well uh, you're headed off to every game of the All-State Maui Invitational. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll get Congrats, you taken Mike. care of. And uh, guess what we're going to do? Uh, we're going to do another one of these next hour. That's how much we want to get people here. Uh, you and I are not eligible to win, Hunter, uh, but uh, we'll, we know a bunch of people that want to check out. Uh, Tennessee, by the way, playing Syracuse, since we want to give the opponents. Chaminade, uh, that was the easy one. Uh, Chaminade playing Kansas, and then uh, UCLA is playing Marquette. Uh, now, it should be noted that uh, parking is going to be interesting um, for the next three days, yeah. and uh, I want to thank our friend... Uh, uh, Dave Kawada, uh, because he uh, he kind of put it all put it all the right way. He kind of laid it all out for us when it comes to the way uh, parking is going to work here next uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So uh, this is how it's going to look. Uh, Monday, obviously, there's uh, there's no parking on campus for the 
all state Maui Invitational games. That's all going to be um, off-site, and they've got shuttles um, that will uh, will take people there. And by the way, before anybody says, oh, I'm sure you guys get parking at the university. No, we don't. <laughs> we in the media have to take the shuttles just like you do. Um, so, they've yeah, they've got parking info at some of the participating hotels, and they shuttle people in and out. Uh, I think it's every 15 minutes. Same thing on Tuesday. And then um, for the game against Northern Arizona um, for for University of Hawaii basketball, so that's an 8.30 uh, tip time. They're going to open the gates. I don't – they didn't say what time they're going to open the gates, but they're going to open the, uh, the, the, the parking on that particular day. Um, a little bit earlier. In fact, okay, they'll they'll be able to park at the structure after 6.30 p.m. Uh, then, of course, Wednesday, same thing. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about uh, the parking situation a little bit later on. We've got uh, Sports Center. We've got another look at traffic. Kavika Hallams is trying to get here through traffic. You can do it, my friend. You can do it. It is off the bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN Honolulu. Oh, we'll take it from here. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Good to have you in here on this Thursday. We are an hour away from Rainbow Warrior Countdown presented by Hawaii Pacific Health. Gary Dickman will be sitting to my left. Uh, then, of course, tip of Hawaii and Niagara coming up tonight just after 7 o'clock. Hunter Hughes is in our studio. Uh, I'm here at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Uh, Kavika Hallams is going to join us coming up in a little while as soon as traffic allows him. Uh, to get here you didn't have that problem right when you were getting to the studio today hunter thankfully did not uh dodged the school traffic i i came down around you know 225 230 ish so oh you were early today i was i did my best <laughs> it's because you knew i wasn't there uh that's right no see i i i know all the all the tricks no here. it was just coincidental and i actually um remembered that you wouldn't be in studio on the drive down so so you wanted to make sure you were extra prepared that and also the thought of you know we could have done the show together from the uh simplify arena at stan share center because i live in manoa but i digress we, we, we could have done that also yeah there's a lot of things we could have done um <laughs> but yeah um we want to tell you that we are brought to you by Whiskey Smoke 808. Enjoy their famous 16-hour magic dust spiced rubbed local Kiave wood slow smoked brisket. I got a lot of I got a lot out of that. Chicken, ribs, and sausage. It's open Wednesday through Sunday, uh, 10 to 8. Um, we mentioned parking, by the way. Uh, we were talking about that last hour. I want to finish up on the parking thing for uh, University of Hawaii and uh, uh, all state Maui Invitational games. So. Um, Wednesday, everything's closed. The, the, the other date that's going to be important for people is going to be Saturday. And that's because uh, if you're going to Rainbow Wahine basketball on Saturday, you cannot park on lower campus. You're not going to be able to, to park in the structure because the structure is going to be only for, um, football parking pass holders. So, uh, if you're going to Wahine basketball, um, find upper campus or find other uh, places to park and get here uh, because that's going to be your only way in. That's and that's senior things. night for, for, for football. That's right. 
That's right. So, because uh, Wahine basketball has um, 12 and 230 games on Saturday. So that makes it a little bit tough. Friday is going to be normal um, with Wahine basketball in the afternoon and then uh, the state football championship game in the uh, Division One Open uh, on Friday night. So that's going to be okay. The big ones for you to know, Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. will be open for the UH game. And then uh, Saturday for uh, football only, which impacts uh, women's basketball. Texter from the 347 says, parking should be available for evening games. I mean, I get it. Um, but also, you gotta, you got to factor in you've got um, students on campus. I think you got some night classes too, right? I mean, you got a lot of stuff going on. So I, I kind of figured um, it does make sense. Keep it consistent unless you've got a University of Hawaii event going on. Um, and just just keep it straight across the board. It's it's not the most ideal, but everything around this event is not the most ideal, given the tragedy in Lahaina mm. um, that we have this here in the first place. So that's I, right. I, I I know people are going to complain about it, but you know, considering the alternative, um, I think we all can probably make one or two sacrifices in order to uh to to get to watch these games maybe that's maybe i'm just thinking kind of small about it but um you know they could have very easily said you know what we'll we'll take this event somewhere else you could have we could take it to las vegas we could take it to north carolina but they said no we're gonna we're gonna have it here so uh yeah I, that would be my message to people is you can complain about it all you want but i i still think hey um given the alternative i think we can be okay with this um one final thing on this, we were talking about, uh, you know, we're not eligible to win, Hunter, for yeah. these uh, All-State Maui Invitational uh, tickets. Texter from the 291, Josh, you said you and Hunter weren't eligible to the previous trivia contest for the Maui Classic. Do you and Hunter and staff members have free slash comp tickets to the uh, to the event? No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> nope. Um, we, we only have a small staff of us that is credentialed, and we are only credentialed because we're working. Um, not sitting there just kind of taking up space because there are a lot of credentialed media members from across the country that are going to be down here, and they are also working. So, um, yeah, the uh, no, we don't have uh, free and comp tickets for us staff, and the tickets that we have, we're giving them to you because that's uh, that's what we do here at the uh, at the radio station. Uh, Hunter, a couple things that have gone on as we've gone throughout this show. We talked about Joe Burrow. At the beginning of the show, yeah, and how uh, for Cincinnati, not necessarily just him, but for Cincinnati, this was a must-win game as as far as what some people say. Now, if you want to make matters worse, Joe Burrow's out, uh, right. or at least they're saying he's questionable uh, with the right wrist injury that he suffered in the second quarter of this game. I don't know if you saw yep. um, the difficulty that he had gripping the football. Did you Did you see that? I did. Yeah. So. It was actually on a touchdown throw to Joe Mixon on the outside uh, where the, the ball went exactly where he wanted it to go. It was a good spiral, but his wrist was powerless, and he it, it all but crumbled him to the grass. And once he was on the sideline, he tried to grip the, the ball a little bit some more and get some throws in, and he's in serious pain. So... I can only imagine at the bare minimum it's a sprained wrist. It might even be more serious, Josh, because if you don't have that lever, 
in terms of your throwing action to snap the wrist down to throw the ball. I mean, th- that is where all of your timing is um, is connected to as as a quarterback. That's where all of your release is coming through the football. That happens through your wrist and through your fingers. So if anything kind of hinders that it's going to be a it's going to be a tough time throwing the ball has that happened to you thankfully no um okay never had any issue uh with my wrist uh with football i i have had a wrist uh playing golf because similarly that action through the golf ball is where you deliver all the power from so uh thankfully not on the football field but have had it on the course i think this now leads to two things i mean cincinnati's trailing this game 21 to 10 as I believe they're just about to get into the third quarter. So, you know, first and foremost, as, as people have already talked about this game as a must-win for Cincinnati, they're down. I mean, Baltimore's had their injuries. Mark Andrews is out. Lamar Jackson did suffer an injury earlier. He's back in. Um, but if you lose this game and you lose Joe Burrow for a significant period of time, now we're talking, now we're truly talking about Cincinnati's season and whether they can survive going 5 and 5 which would they would be with a loss going 5 and 5 and you know having to play a significant amount of time with Jake Browning that's Man. that spells disaster doesn't it for Cincy unless they can stumble their way into a Brock Purdy situation and Browning <laughs> ends up being uh the Bengals unexpected hero on this season but it's a different situation than the Niners last year where uh, Purdy could come in to an already good team and just kind of keep things afloat. Uh, he wasn't asked to be Joe Burrow. He was just asked to be a good game manager and that phenomenal defense. You've got Christian McCaffrey and then a slew of great, talented receivers for uh, the 49ers. It's a different situation where the Bengals are trying to make lemonade out of lemons right now. It's not exactly the same thing. I'm going to go out on a really, really easy limb here. Jake Browning will not be Brock Purdy. <laughs> not hmm. even close. You'd well, like in, for in, that some, in some ways, you're almost arguing for the relevancy of <laughs> Browning to Purdy's irrelevancy. Excuse me, that word. Irrelevancy. <laughs> Irrelevancy, huh? There you go. Relevancy. What's not? Yep. <laughs> That's I didn't, the know, word you could get, I didn't I, know you could get tripped up on irrelevancy. You know what? I'm just going to stay as far away from that word as I can this Saturday on our call from Wyoming. So. Well, you better hope that that never has to come up in the first That's place. That's right, because that game is super relevant. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Um, you know, Baltimore's kind of kind of taking its shots here, uh, here and there. But that's one of the uh, one of the big things that we've kind of taken away from this game so far. Um, the other story today, and I, I, we're going to get to it a little bit later on. I kind of feel like we have some time here. Uh, we may or may not have Kavika. I know he's getting through traffic, but you're a sideline reporter for us for, uh, mm-hmm. for Hawaii football games, and so this is kind of relevant to you. Uh, Carissa Thompson, who is on uh, Prime Video's coverage of uh, Thursday Night Football, though she's not a sideline reporter now, she's a she's an anchor uh, for them and for Fox, used to be a sideline reporter, 
and she had admitted on one of those barstool po- uh, podcasts. I don't, I don't know which one it is. I don't care. Um, but she admitted that at times she made up stories. Um, for example, like if she didn't talk to a coach uh, coming out of halftime, she made up stories with like generic stuff, like you know, coach believes they got to take care of the ball and and uh, you know convert on third downs and things mm. like that. She admitted. Um, that she made some of those things up sometimes, if not talking to coaches or in other situations. Um, I know a lot of you're in a different situation. You're a sideline reporter, but I think there are a lot of people looking at her situation, not just as a sideline reporter, but a female sideline reporter Mm. where women in this industry have had to work even harder than men to, you know, fill certain roles. And still it is, it is not equitable. Um, so there are a lot of women in this industry that are uh, honestly really upset hearing that you're a sideline reporter. So I can't kind of put you in the, in the same boat as them, but sure. when you, when you hear that, what are, what are you taking away from that? Part of me doesn't blame her <laughs> to, to be honest. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to, okay. I, I want it to be ab- abundantly clear, especially to, uh, speaking to the, my, my direct supervisor at, at, at this job. <laughs> oh, great. Um, but uh, you want to tell the story that's in front of you, okay? So that's, that's your job. You never want to give um, faulty information and mis- misguide our fan base. But I got I to gotta, uh, say this, Josh. Not all games are all that exciting to talk about. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, now, you, you can't just go out there and say – um, you know, something absurd that, that, that makes no sense to the, the given situation. But if you can have a couple of generic things in your back pocket to just help the broadcast move along, and I, I'm, I'm thinking more on the NFL side of things where you, you, can, you can gather generic, decent information on your own time and... You know, I've been there at times too. Even here locally at, at, at games, where I'm, I'm trying to get information from our medical staff on if a player is coming back or not, and either they're, um, you know, otherwise preoccupied or can't divulge the information to me. I, I kind of have to make my best generic judgment on if I view that player as a possibility of coming back into the game or not. So right, but that's that's different though. It's different, you know, based on what you're seeing. Like your eyes are seeing that. That's right. And, you know, that's that's different as compared to this. Is like, oh, you know, I'm making like I talked to a coach, and but I actually didn't talk to a coach. You're you're actually fabricating something, especially if the coach may not have said that if he did talk. To so him. that right there, I, I'm. I'm more speaking on the side of saying something from my point of view. I I would never, from an integrity standpoint, feel okay saying a coach said this when in fact he didn't. That's where the line stops for me. Um, And also I I care about my ongoing relationships with, you know, said coaches at University of Hawaii. So I, I want that integrity to transcend just radio stuff i'm gonna see these guys in in person later on so i don't necessarily agree with that on her side of things but at the end of the day she's trying to do her job so it's tricky let's try to be honest and in uh in a world where honesty isn't always rewarded let's keep this industry as honest as we can i mean you'd make the argument that 
I mean, on your end, you're talking about a- analyzing what you're what you're seeing. Um, a lot of what's been said today is if you don't actually have something, then don't go on air. Mm. You know, you don't you don't have to have a hit at the end of the half or at, going into the second half. If you don't have anything, just just shut it and <laughs> you know only bring in something when you have something. And, you know, I, I think there's a big difference between analysis and and true reporting. Um, and in and we're in a time where right now reporting is being questioned all the time. Uh, not just in our industry, but more so in in the news industry. Mm-hmm. It just it, it it comes as just a really big hit to um, to integrity, and and I think that's the the really tough thing about it. Uh, Neil, thank you for calling in. How are you? How's everything with you? Good guys. <laughs> good, good. So you know, Josh, you hit the nail on the head, and I wanted to to. Uh... To help you here with this, uh, you know, this whole thing about this uh, sideline reporter, you know, the bottom line is uh, whether you are a sideline reporter, an analyst, a color guy, whatever it is, you are first, last, and always a re- uh, journalist. Not even a reporter, you are a journalist. And to me, you got to have journalistic integrity. And if you're if you didn't talk to the coach, don't put words in the coach's mouth. Mm-hmm. You know That's right. You you gotta have you have to you first, last, and always. You've got to have journalistic integrity. Okay, I'm a historian. You guys know that. Yeah. And I have that historic integrity. You know, I cannot make some stuff up just because it sounds awesome. You know what I'm saying? I can't do that. I mean, I could, but then at that point, I go from being a historian to being a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, I and it only Google. takes one person to fact check you, and then your integrity's gone. And then your integrity as a historian is gone, and then your entire reputation is gone. You know, and I mean, and and that's the thing. I mean, like fact checking being what it is. You know, I mean, like you can always you can. You, you can skew the truth to an extent, but come on, man. This is sports, and sports is supposed to be fun. But it also needs to be honest. It also needs to be true. The reporting of sport should be fun. And if you ain't got something, say it. I have more respect yeah. for you if you say, you know what? I did not have the opportunity to speak with, with Coach So-and-so. But and then you can offer your analysis. You say, but I think coming out of the first half or coming into the second half, they need to convert on third down. They need to open up the run game or blah, right. blah, blah. Offer your analysis if you want. Yeah. But make sure that you know that it's your analysis. Right. And, and those are those are definitely two different things. And, Neil, I appreciate your call. Uh, Thanks, thank Neil. you for dialing in. Uh, we're up against a break here. Um, Rich Hill's going to join us in a little while. He's just walked in. He's early, too, which is kind of cool. We might have a uh, bald is beautiful moment with Rich Hill and David Hallams if they're both here at the same time, which could be kind of fun. But first, I want to tell you about Kahala. I'm wearing mine today. Uh, It's got whales on it. Uh, Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at Kahala.com. Traffic here, it's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu.
All right, getting ready for Hawaii and Niagara uh, coming up. We'll have pregame at uh, 6 o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. We're going to go quickly to traffic. Sports Center's on the way as well. Rich Hill's here. Uh, he is. Uh, he's also got his kahala. He will. We'll talk with him. Uh, everything Hawaii baseball, the Fall World Series. That's coming up after Sports Center and traffic. It's ESPN Honolulu. All right, coming up, Rainbow Warrior countdown uh, right at the top of the hour. Gary Dickman, uh, Derek Lowe, and I will kind of jump in here and there, but uh, happy to have as I drop my pen. Uh, Rich Hill. Hawaii baseball coach uh, joining us after what practice today? Yes, today was a player's practice. Okay. You know? Yeah, today was captain's practice. You know, we have this tradition of our Ohana World Series weekend. And uh, we had the draft last night. It's a spectacle, Josh. Hopefully you can get there one day. It's, uh, you know, we choose captains. They have a draft. It's, uh, it's like the NFL draft, man. Yeah, because you mean, guys have, like, tables uh, and, yeah. like, food, right? How's it's that go? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's an occasion, right? So mm. every guy has to bring a date that, that okay let's start there so we got some freshmen That's we got scary some guys for are, some guys uh well yeah hey they're scared let's just say it all right so they have to get over that uh bring their dates uh it's formal hawaiian attire and we have captains and we have a draft and, and i mean it's walk-up songs it's you know uh just like the nfl draft man it's it's pretty cool so team green machine versus team kelly uh, we'll be going at it this weekend, but the, the, the players are responsible for formulating a practice plan on Thursday. They get a two-hour block. Uh, I really want them to feel what it feels like um, to run the ship, you know, and uh, to, uh, <laughs> to be the coach for a day. Coaches are not involved in the games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They have to figure out the rotations, uh, call the offense, um, you know, set the defense. So, it is. It, it's a great tradition. We started it, you know, when I was at San Diego, and then uh, carried it here. It's 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 been a just a huge hit here. Do they call what the pitches? They Do they call the pitches as well? Uh, no, Coach Zuniga will be actually, um, you know, going dugout to dugout. Okay, uh, calling the pitches. What if they don't bring a date? You know, Are they disqualified from the draft? No, they 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 still get drafted, but they have consequences. You know, <laughs> okay. Yeah, on that, and I love it. there is exemptions too. Like some of our guys are looking at me like, "Okay, I got a girlfriend, you know, and and we've been together five years, and and she lives in uh, she's going to school in Wisconsin, you know, they get an exemption. Okay, all right, and they have to sit at the table and be their own dates, and they eat last, so it all works mm. out. Yeah, it's got really wholesome uh, for a moment. Yeah. Uh, so who were who were the captains? Well, it's we have sixteen seniors. You know, so we split them up. I mean, it's it, too many to name here. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, the, the regular guys. You know, uh, Kyson Donahue is a sixth-year senior. Dallas Duarte uh, has been here, you know, forever. Ty Atkins uh, is in that group. And Tyler Dieball, you know, that's yeah, a Tyler. that's a sixth-year guy. Um, so it, it's some salty veterans, you know, that uh, – don't want to lose, you know, because at the end of this thing, you know, we get a team picture under the scoreboard. That team picture goes on a plaque, right, and it's up in our office all year long. So the losing team has to look at it all year. <laughs> <laughs> Rich Hill's joining us, uh, Hawaii Baseball, the Ohana World Series. So uh, tell everybody the, uh, the, the dates and uh, when people can come down, uh, some of the important stuff. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday night, uh, baseball, 5 o'clock. Saturday is 3 o'clock. Sunday, 1 o'clock. 
and uh, you know, like always, you know, it's everything is open to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just don't a, bring your coolers. No, nope, don't bring coolers. Don't bring alcohol. And uh, it, it's it's a great event. You know, there's there's a lot of family here uh, in town. We ended on Sunday, you know, with our uh, Ohana, uh, <laughs> you know, food uh extravaganza you yeah. know it's it's not we don't do it justice by calling it a potluck um you know and <laughs> it's elevated yeah so we just kind of just just bump some reggae and just turn it up and players and families and everybody just kind of high five hug and uh eat you know and i've noticed that too you know since i've been in hawaii yeah. you know most everything right has music and food right and we are no different here buddy i love both what other coach in the nation, by the way, says uh, we bump some reggae? I don't know. I, I don't know anybody else. <laughs> hey, you don't need to know anybody else, man. <laughs> Come on. Come on, brother. Let's go. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about some of the uh, the, the staff additions. Uh, yes. We got to talk to Keith a couple of months ago when, when he was announced. He's calling. Uh, he's working with your pitchers now. What's that been like as he has really kind of settled in and, and worked with these pitchers? Well, he, he's just been phenomenal, you know, exceeded expectations as advertised. And, you know, he came in with a very difficult job, you know. He, he's replacing a very popular Matt Troop yeah. and very successful Matt Troop. You know, we led the conference the past two years in ERA. Uh, Matt was a, you know, had the superpower of human connection. And, you know, Keith came in and uh, was just himself and is just himself. You know, he brings, you know, just a, a different flavor you know, uh, to the table. He's he as well has a superpower of human connection. I mean, he can really connect with these guys. But he's really settled in. Him and his family, his two young daughters and his wife, are uh, really absorbed into the community. And uh, our players, especially our pitchers, love him. What I one of the things I heard about him is like they love the micro details, especially like the science of pitching. Like I've seen some of the stuff that he's put online, mm-hmm. um, but some of that like. In, integral stuff like he's right. huge in right absolutely this is the way you know um it, it's going you know all of baseball right you know uh, from the major leagues on down i don't i don't like to say baseball is changing it's evolving mm. you know mm. and uh keith is is really good i mean he's a plus at the data uh you know i mean i'm in his office one day and there's i think chris sale you know on a split screen with harrison bodendorf you know, and then they got stick figures going on, and there's angles, and there's degrees, and there's math equations, and it looks like an algebra question, uh-huh. right? So I immediately got out of that office. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was like, I like took a seat, man, and I was like, you know, like one of the students going, "Hey, Zuni, this is uh, this is pretty awesome," you know. And then he'll put up, you know, Verlander and Scherzer and, and uh, Kershaw and the statistics, and you know, you're right, very, very good. You know, with the uh, the data, the video, and all of the techniques that all of these players want, you know, um, that's available to them. One of the guys, speaking of science, he elevated Dallas Correa. Right. Uh, I know he's great with catchers, and this is such mm-hmm. a, a good reward for him. He doesn't have to teach anymore, at least right. at a school, but now he gets to teach even more uh, with this squad. Right. Yeah, Dallas is, you know, I, I have said that from day one. I, I wouldn't have been able to survive, you know. Uh, I, I, I would have, but it would have been extremely challenging. Uh, he, he just bridged the gap, you know, um, from the administration and everything that, that we need to do as coaches now uh, administratively, 
you know, he uh, has just been a godsend. And now to elevate him to where he can get on the field and really use his gifts yeah. and talents, you know, he's great with the players. Uh, he is a great balance uh, for me. You know, he's uh, soft-spoken. Um, he, he's just – when he speaks, uh, you know, they, they listen. The other day he got mad at some guys. We weren't doing things right in the dugout or, you know. And, I mean, it was like, man, everybody just kind of stood up, you know, eyebrows raised, like, okay, we're doing it, we're doing So Wait, he got mad? Yeah, I, I've never I've, seen I've him never mad. Heard, seen, yeah, I have never heard him raise his voice until that day. That's, I was, too. I was like, holy <laughs> mackerel. So, yeah, it, uh, he brings something to our staff that, that – uh, you know, he's going to coach first base this year. You know, just, just get that on-field presence um, that is outstanding. And then you add Rayson to the mix now, right? Rayson Romero, yeah. Rayson's another local boy here from St. Louis. Excellent player, you know, an a All-American uh, type of guy at Sonoma State and is, uh, you know, teaching um, physical education over in Kailua, you know. Nice. And uh, t just a quality human being. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm just surrounded by – just superstar, rock star guys, you know, on the on the staff. So, Rayson brings that. Maki Yamazaki, we all remember Maki. Hey, yeah, yeah, he's back. He's he's a grad assistant. Nice, uh, doing his thing, and a master fungo hitter. Oh, is wait he really? See, oh, yeah. Mm. Man, wait, you know, you could you could probably imagine that. But again, the players just gravitate towards guys like Maki and Rayson. You know, on a daily basis, and we have such good kids in our. I shouldn't say kids. Just great young adults, man, in in this program. The, and uh, it's a, I think we're in, in for a special year. All right, let's remind people one more time, Coach. Uh, Ohana World Series, yep. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yep. uh, right here. Remember, remember the times? 5 o'clock Friday night, 5.05, right? We're trying to be cool. That's right. And then uh, 3.05. <laughs> no, you got to you gotta do uh, 5.07, like I the know. TBS Superstation. I know, right? 5.05, 3.05, and 1.05. Free admission. Bring the family. Oh, man, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can just get up close and, and personal with these guys. You know, it's it's uh, it's kind of like spring training. But, I mean, you, you'll see them competing. I mean, this is pride on the line, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's, uh, it, it is a peer group uh, real battle. So it's, it's, pretty, it's really cool. The countdown to Ole Miss is on. Ole Miss, baby. <laughs> Place is going to be rocking February 16th, man. Oh, wow. We are exactly three months away. I didn't even realize that till just now. We are exactly three months from Ole Miss. Yeah, well, Josh, like I told you before, I was under the impression when I took this job that there would be no math. <laughs> okay, and to have, for you to say three months from today is like, I can't even go on, man. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, dude. All right, so we'll leave the algebra to the side. Yeah, uh, thank you, Coach. It's good to see you. Great to see you guys. Wait, wait, wait. We we haven't done the correct ending yet, Coach. What? Aloha and shoo. And on that note, traffic. We'll wrap things up next. It's off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. Hey, I've got breaking news that I am. Uh, I've just been told, Hunter, okay. uh, that I am allowed to say. Uh, Hawaii baseball has a game scheduled in Hilo. I uh, this Fun. is this is probably the most excited I have been in a long time. February twenty eighth, right? February twenty eighth at Wong Stadium against UH Hilo. A real full uh, circle moment for our very own uh, Josh Pacheco. Full circle. Yeah, I still remember. Gosh, it was um, seven or eight years ago. I think I did a game. They did a two or three game series 
at Wong Stadium, and I was filling in because uh, Don and Scott weren't able to make the trip down. So we were the Hilo broadcast team, and we did the series for both uh, Hilo and for Manoa, and uh, the, the community loved it. They really loved it. And uh, you've got good talent on both sides that I think are, um, you know, UH Hilo's on the up. Uh, they've been playing well the last couple of years. Uh, Hawaii obviously has been on the up. So I think we got fun baseball coming up. So I'm going to save the rest of the stuff for a later time for more breaking news. But that's the one coach gave me the okay. And I said, yes, we are going with it. So uh, mark your calendars, February 28th. Uh, it's a Wednesday night, uh, Hawaii at UH Hilo. That's really cool. Wow. Um, go ahead, Hunter. I'm sorry. No, I, I was reacting, reacting to what you just said. <laughs> You're reacting to my happiness is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for uh, you. Man, um, that and my Chick-fil-A today has made me incredibly happy. Um, we'll do final words in a moment, but first, uh, we've got one more set of passes to the All-State Maui Invitational. And again, this is, this is like we did earlier. Um, this is a set of passes for every session. So uh, that's six sessions. That's 12 games total, and you'll get to go to every one of them. Uh, we'll do caller number five here at uh, 808-296-1420. Caller number five is going to get all those tickets to the All-State Maui Invitational. All right, um, Hunter, final words from you. I'll give mine, and then we'll do a quick update on uh, Thursday Night Football before we head on out of here. You all go right. first. Well, my, mine has to do with Thursday Night Football. So oh, okay. Zach Taylor says that Joe Burrow's right thumb is an amputee or an amputation <laughs> candidate per Carissa Thompson. <laughs> I read that from oh. Eric Galco from Galco Scouting. I saw that on X. I'm a little bummed that you saw it because I thought it'd be <laughs> a perfect, uh, a perfect little prank with you not being in studio. You but, weren't uh, gonna get me on that. Okay. Anyway, was, was that truly the final word? That, that was gonna be my final words. I was expecting well, a Josh Pacheco. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> well, I, I, I started reading it when I first saw it, and then when I saw the words amputee candidate, yep. I knew that it was a fake. Yeah. Um, but there's actually something serious about this. Um, you know that the NFL is big on injuries, and they're big on, on injury reporting. So um, he wasn't – Joe Burrow was not on the injury report with this wrist issue. And you might think, oh, that's not a big deal. He must have just hurt his wrist now. Well, that's actually not the case because uh, the good folks at Prime Video had cameras on the Bengals as they were coming off the bus. And they caught a glimpse of Joe Burrow off the bus with his right wrist in like a cast. So if the Bengals did not report the fact that Burrow was hurt before coming in, the Bengals will face some penalties from the National Football League for that, um, I don't, to me, it's 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 dumb. I mean, they do it partly for gambling, but I mean, to me, it's dumb. Why would you not disclose that for for a quarterback who uses his right hand, which includes his right wrist? Yeah. That if something goes wrong, you're gonna have egg on your face because he couldn't throw a football, and you find out, oh yeah, he had problems with that coming in. Like that, it doesn't seem worth it, Hunter, to hide that. Hmm. Something fishy's going on in uh, Cincinnati, Josh. Yeah, there, uh, there clearly is something fishy there. Um, my final word uh, comes from here uh, at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center because, well, actually I actually have two final words. One, uh, Hawaii and Niagara. Uh, I'm going to give you the stat that I think will determine how this game goes. 
uh, rebounding. We were just having this conversation off the air. Niagara is a bad rebounding team. I, I, I'm, I wanted to say worse. Um, I want to be very respectful. They averaged 22 and a half rebounds a game. They got out rebounded by Bucknell five days ago, 36 to 16. Uh, outscored in second chance points, 17 to eight. Would you say um, all errant shots fall to the ground like a waterfall, Josh? Um, I did not say that because they actually shoot the ball decently well. That's the thing. I mean, they they shoot decently well. So they're such a small team that um, they, they're not good at rebounding. I mean, hmm. outside of their posts, their projected starters at post are six, seven, and seven feet, respectively. Um, but their, their guards are five, nine, six, one, and six, three. You take away your seven footer and your six, seven guy, your next tallest guy is six, eight, and starts going downhill from there very fast. And they're not, they're not deep at all. They're 12 deep and they maybe play eight or nine. So um, if Hawaii does what it's supposed to do, and wins the rebounding battle, it should lead to a Hawaii win. Hawaii out-rebounded UH Hilo 41-29 to on Tuesday. So um, that's that's my one on this game. My other final word, um, if you needed a, another reason to like Shohei Otani, uh, I'm going to give you one. He wins AL MVP, which in most circumstances I would have said he shouldn't because he missed the final month of the year. Um, that should be a disqualifier. But tell me, name someone else in the American League who actually deserved it, who played the entire That's year. That's right. I looked through the list, and I couldn't find anybody. Anyone uh, from either league? Um, well, I would have given you. Well, Acuna won it in the National League. Um, I'm still taking I Shohei, given, even without the final month of the year. Uh, I don't know. I would have taken Acuna, actually, if, if it were combined AL and NL. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, Shohei's just Acuna doesn't pitch for his team. Yeah, I, I see that difference. Um, but I guess where he doesn't pitch, he steals bases. Okay. Shohei doesn't really steal bases. But now we're splitting hairs. Um, he has trained his dog to give high fives. And so on, on MLB Network, when Shohei was accepting the award, he was sitting on his couch. He had his. He put his paw. He put his. He put his paw. Put his hand up and uh, got his dog to give him a high five, uh, which my dog. We've we've taught him that. We have taught our dog uh, to give high fives. Just sometimes it's a high five, and then the dog doesn't want your hand to go, so it's more like a high five, and you're not going anywhere. Um, but that's. I mean, hey, Shohei's a dog lover, so you now add that to everything else. I mean, what what else is there not to like about this guy? Oh man. Good for him. He's good for baseball. The longer he can stay healthy and the longer he can stay in the league, it bodes well for the sport. Hunter, uh, you travel safe. I know you're leaving tonight to Laramie, so uh, enjoy Wyoming. And uh, let me know if you have another round of Rocky Mountain Oysters, all right? <laughs> I will. Thanks, man. I know, you're, I know you're dreaming of it after that conversation we had yesterday. <laughs> uh, Tanner will be in this seat tomorrow. I'll have the noon show tomorrow, so we're kind of doing a flip around with all the stuff we got going on with high school football and everything. So uh, we'll see you somewhere tomorrow. But coming up next, it is Rainbow Warrior Countdown presented by Hawaii Pacific Health.